Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskaden coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we want to close out this week with ordering our focus and our future with what the Lord has us called to do in the spheres of authority he has called us to and and building our foundation on his structures. And so today we want to line out some scriptures that we know very clearly, um, but just to remind ourselves of what the scriptures say, number one, of what the gifts are, of some zeals and things and holy foundations that we need to be walking in throughout our everyday lives as we pray for this nation, ourselves, our families, the office of the president, and, and really anything else that the Lord lays upon our hearts. And so the first scripture is in Ephesians 4, verse 11, and it reads, and you've probably read this, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And, and the old um, understanding, best help one way to help understand is, I learned this from Cleansing Streams, is the apostle is the thumb, the prophet is the pointer finger, the evangelist is your middle finger and then the pastor and teacher and so we see here where this is where most of the church has built its leadership on is this and we've looked at the concerns with that and then you have the other three there rather than letting the church be built on this end it needs to be built on this end with the apostle and prophet then we go to first corinthians 12 i want to make sure i get this right um 28 where we see here that it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, and various kinds of tongue. And just laying this out as this is the groundwork of the foundation of what the Lord wants the church to, to look like. And then the last one, Last scripture we want to point out is uh, laying a foundation here is 2 Corinthians 10. And it's really the entire 10, but I want to focus on on two verses. Verses 3 and 4, where 3 says in the New American Standard Version says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not in the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And so we see that. And we understand that that is some of the foundations that the Lord is building his future upon. And the prayer point for this that Chuck points out is that he says, first, he says, God is setting his place in place, his order for the future. 
ultimately something for us to pray for, to seek the Lord for, is an understanding and to define your sphere of authority, number one, and then number two, to you must build on a sure foundation. Obviously, this goes back to the uh, principle and the parable of building your house on the sand versus building your house on the rock. So I'll, I'll put this up here for a second, and I'll put this in the notes um, and in the comment sections after. So you'll have these. Uh, just some things to remember. To define our sphere uh, of authority in line with how God is building for the future, placing his order for the future, and then ultimately is we must build on a sure foundation. And that's why Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, 28 really outlined the five-fold ministry and, and going along with the gifts and understanding the battle that his and obviously you you talk about Ephesians six uh, of the armor of God is going in this as well. Uh, so we want to build ourselves in alignment in with His order for the future. Okay, so today we have um, just a few topics to get to, but I want to go deep on deeper on at the end on the build. Standing up for life from Lindsey Graham and the battle between Republicans there. But first, we want to start off uh, internationally and going over some comments made by the Israeli President Ibrahim Razi, where we learn that he and Iran are have signed a memorandum to become uh, full-time members of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is a economic ties between. Russia, former Soviet bloc countries, China and India, and now Iran, who are involved in this. And some of the concerning comments he said were that the SEO needs to adopt new solutions to take specific measures to counter what he considers draconian U.S. sanctions and its unilateralism, such as sustainable trade among its member states, meaning he wants more free trade, and he literally goes on to say that, amongst states who don't adhere to anything the U.S. has to say, calling anything that we stand for and Israel draconian. Um, and, and again, this is why he wants to get out of this or I'm sorry, this is why he wants to get back into the Iran nuclear deal to break the sanctions that are on place with him in his country right now because they are very, very, very detrimental. And so um, he call, also called for expansion of free trade among those countries, along with financing and banking cooperations, to find another route away from the IMF, the EU, the United States, NATO, etc., all these other organizations who are impeding their financial free flow throughout the world. Um, and what does this mean? Does this Shanghai Cooperation organiza Organization grow to allow Venezuela, Nicaragua, other countries, Cuba, uh, other countries that China has associations with throughout the world? Yet to be seen, uh, but it's just as we throw this out there, that's why we want to continue to pray for this administration on the Iran nuclear deal talks because it does it benefits literally no one to go back into this deal. They're already breaking it uh, at, and at the end of the day, it, Israel is saying, "Look, if they're if they're going to come to a point where they're going to start using these weapons, we're going to 
do something about it. And we're going to defend ourselves more so. And we're seeing, we've been talking about it lately, is that Iran is moving a lot of their, they're, they're preparing to get back into this deal. They're moving a lot of their weapons and things to Syria, which means they're closer to Israel. How much, what exactly are they moving there? Are they moving manufacturing bases? It's still yet to be determined, but what is known internationally is that they are moving some form of weapons from inside Iran to Syria. Is that just the produced product? Are they going to still produce in Iran? A lot of questions still remain involving around this Iran nuclear deal and the now connection with Russia, deeper connection with Russia, China, and Turkey. Turkey some somebody to watch out for in the days ahead as well with this. So we want to continue to pray that this administration has the fear of the Lord on this issue. Pray for the peace of the Jerusalem. Give the Israeli government, and more so the voters, just like here in America, as they go for another presidential election, government-forming election, they, their Knesset operates a little bit differently, is you vote for a party, and then the party leaders try to work together with other party leaders to form a government and um so just want to pray for for them as well as more specifically our president our military our negotiators involved in this um and really at the end of the day if they don't have the strength to not get into this just pray god's divine wisdom and hand over this situation as we move forward but it's something to pay attention to there okay next um some a story that looks good uh, at the onslaught, but is quite alarming, is that the Senate, and this is being reported by the Hill and Wall Street Journal, is will not vote on the same-sex marriage bill until, and it's more so the redefining of marriage bill is how I'm calling it until after the election, which you could say, okay, good, yay, woohoo, if you if you. Think about it at first, it makes it seem like, oh, well, maybe it'll be with the new Congress and the new Senate. No, it's after the elections happen, when there are no consequences for any senator. If they've lost, they have nothing to lose. They could vote for this. If they've won and they're retaining their seat, they could vote for this, even though their people may not agree with it. It's very, very problematic. And it all came about because of a mouthing off Republican, Roy Blunt, who decided, well, I'm on my way out. I have nothing to lose. So if I were going to do this, I would wait until after the elections. And then all of the sudden, you see the plans from those involved with this negotiating when the vote will come. It's now all of a sudden happening after the elections. Chuck Schumer has made a guarantee that this will be voted on by the end of the year. That's the only guarantee he's made. He was smart, unfortunately, in that um, on this case. So the vote will happen this year. It will happen after elections where you have, you pretty much have a lame duck Senate and Congress because those who are on their way out have really no authority. Um, and then those who are going to retain their seats they're protected for senate six years congress another two years so what what's the point of voting for it before when you possibly risk upsetting your voting base and losing an election it's just how politics is played and so uh this is very problematic in this um the fact that roy blunt pushed it 
And then the fact of the basis is very, very interesting is the basis of this is to do the same thing. And I want to point this out to do the same thing that they're trying to do with abortion of codify Roe v. Wade, which was a Supreme Court decision. They're trying to, to codify um, the 2015 court ruling on the Obergefell Hodges case that supposedly they're claiming gave constitutional power to um, same-sex couples to marry from that case. And they're, they know it's not constitutional because Clarence Thomas said, well, if we can undo Roe v. Wade due to the fact that the Supreme Court has no authority to actually write legislation, then we can go after that. Clarence Thomas was right in an, an extent of saying that that gives now precedence to go back and overturn it because the court does not have the authority to legislate. And that's what Kavanaugh, Alito were trying to dissuade people against of saying, look, this case doesn't particularly affect those. That's what they were saying. But in reality, what Clarence Thomas is saying is actually it does, but what Alito was saying is you still have to bring cases to overturn those. So you can't based off solely off of Roe v. Wade overturn or Burgerville. You have to bring up cases in and of itself with the same type of ruling and understanding of saying, well, you have no authority to do this. And you have to get in the weeds of the Obergefell Hodges case to be able to to deal with that. And that's what's going to have to happen if you're to overturn Obergefell Hodges court 2015 Supreme Court ruling. And what the Senate is trying to do is say, well, we're not going to wait for that because we see the ramifications of that with Roe v. Wade and the fallout of that of now it falls back to the states and so they're going to wait lame duck um, why really need to pray for um fear of the lord on these senators even as they're leaving office like it would just be utterly disastrous for them to even consider such such a thing uh, uh to do of of really just going against the fundamentals of this nation and backstabbing the american people that they voted on in in, in cloak and dagger hiding how they would vote before the election uh, they don't have to answer that question well i'll get to that when the time comes no tell me now because i want to know what you're going to do especially if you're you plan on being in office again if you're running for another term that's where uh voters need to be very very wise uh in understanding where their politicians stand and their leaders stand on this issue okay next I want to point out some doublespeak from Yellen and uh, Janet Yellen, so Treasury, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, in a statement she made at a speech at the New Clariton Federal Building in Maryland earlier this week, saying that a strong IRS is critical to the economic success of this country. We'll let that one. Let's just swallow a bit on that one. And the reason she says this and is going for this is because of the agenda this Biden administration is pushing. So I, I want to take a step back before we go forward. One step back, two steps forward. So she's saying this because of the agenda being pushed by the administration. And this goes along with our prayer point that we're going to continue to pray upon of standing against this agenda to cripple the next three to four generations, which is right before us, right before our very eyes. 
And there was a handbook that was recently published by the White House that talks about the quote-unquote legislative victories from this administration, when in reality, the legislative means executive orders. They're combining those two. And they're claiming responsibility for the quote-unquote economic recovery. In saying this, quote, President Biden's agenda has contributed to the strongest and most equitable economic and labor market recovery in modern history. Extremely debatable and too early to tell, even if they claim it is. And catalyzed a resurgence in public investment that will help ensure a strong, innovative, clean energy future that is made in America. Repeat that. And cattle, they're saying this economic recovery has catalyzed a resurgence in public investment, meaning more taxes, more government spending, that will help ensure a strong, innovative, clean energy future that is made in America. Going along the theme of the MAGA principles, <clears throat> America First principles, making it seem like this is what it is. But clean energy and all this stuff, it's not made in America. It's made in China and other places around the world where China has the resources and then assembled in America. So there's, a, if you understand how manufacturing happens nowadays, especially with cars and other things, it's not made in America. Later going on to say that together, Get this, with generational investments in infrastructure, clean energy, and advanced manufacturing, the Biden economic agenda has coupled historic job creation with long-term strategy to ensure that good jobs of today and tomorrow are created in America. And I want to highlight, together with generational investments, this is something the Lord, the Lord has warned us about. That this agenda will cripple the next three to four generations if it's allowed to go forward and to stay in place. They're bragging about it. They're bragging about taxing you more, spending more from future generations till now. They're bragging about using debt. And the Lord's saying, no, this will cripple the next three to four generations. I point that out to show this because it underlines something that I think we really, really need to start understanding is Janet Yellen. Then I want to go back to her speech. She says, let me blow this up. She says, talking about um, the 87,000 plus new IRS agents in that adequately funding the IRS's core to our success, basically the entire economy, it raises the revenue for us to make important investments, those generational investments, in our quote-unquote economic strengths. It makes sure that all Americans are playing by the same rules, which the rules that are out there allow tax savings and other things already. So we are playing by the same rules. It's just some actually have the resources to be able to curtail the rules that are on the books it makes sure that all americans okay it avoids misallocation of resources in the economy at large this statement right here is very very problematic because what this statement right here says is that the state knows better than you the state knows better than any free market system whatever the case may be any person out there and that they should be the ones to determine what happens with investments in the economy, clean energy, all this stuff. 
That's the problem with having the government make these decisions for you is that they're the ones making it and if it fails, you're not allowed to pull out of it and redo and try to figure out what actually works. It's, no, we're going this way and if you don't like it, too bad. And it does not and it does so by deterring taxpayers from shifting their activities toward more opaque sources or engaging in tax evasion. Opaque sources, basically anything you don't do that the state doesn't like is opaque, old, whatever. It doesn't work. It, it's just it's just horribly wrong. Uh, again, going on with the idea that, oh, we're not going to go after people under 400000 etc., stuff like this. And it says, in all, a strong IRS is critical to the economic success of this country, and I am heartened that we are finally reflecting that in our funding decisions, meaning that if the IRS has enough employees, we can go after and get enough resources, enough revenue to be able to fund things that we, the state, deem as successful and that we need to go down. Remind you of anything? 1930s Germany, the USSR, the state can do no wrong. I point this out because this is this is quite alarming. It's a small little speech. Nobody's really talking about it. It's double speak, and it's very problematic. And Americans need to understand the realities of this. And unfortunately, they don't. And it's the question of is how much longer and how more painful do things have to get before Americans truly wake up? And we can talk about the church. and We've gone down that road a little bit. Probably go down it more some next week. In understanding the reality of the situations at play, that the things coming down the road, the problems, etc., deal with stems from what is happening and not being spoken out in the church. And why we want to continue to pray for these leaders who are about to get elected to stand against this Bernie Sanders agenda, bills that have come forward, have been pieced together to allow this crippling of possibly crippling of the next three to four generations. We want to pray that they have the fear of the Lord and wake up, and, and for those who voted on these things, to repent. Because right now we're on the road towards crippling the next three to four generations, and it's sad to see. And we're going head over fist, long, into this. Like, no questions about it. We're not even looking whether this is the right move or not. We're just going with it from this administration. And so something to be truly, truly aware of um, of what's happening economically in this nation. And then the last story I want to get to, okay, I have some good time here, is there was a good article put out from um, Politico in, titled In Defense of Lindsey Graham. And I want to point this out, first part of this out, and then I want to get into some stats, but I want to play a video from Donald Trump when he debated Hillary Clinton and Mike Pence on this, is... The issue from Republicans of they're pushing back and they're saying this. They're saying, why is he talking about this? Why do we have to talk about this? Every day we talk about this, it's uh, every day we talk about abortion is a loser for us. So they think talking about abortion is a loser for them. I think we have to, as believers and Americans and those who value life, change and flip that narrative and say, no, the days we don't talk about this and talk about the realities of this is a loser for life, period. Because Democrats are campaigning on this. They're throwing every dollar at this. 
every campaign, every commercial, every ad Democrats are talking about that they're sponsoring is talking about this. They're bringing up abortion. And by not saying anything, you're allowing the only narrative to be out there that, well, we want to protect you. We want to protect women. We want to protect, protect, protect what they think is right. But the Lord says every life has value. And I'll play this clip from Mike Pence that underlines that. I will that. tell you that for me, the sanctity of life um, proceeds out of the belief that that ancient principle that um, where, where God says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And so for my first time in public life, I've sought to stand with great compassion for the sanctity of life. Uh, the state of Indiana has also sought to make sure that we expand uh, alternatives in healthcare counseling for women, non-abortion alternatives. We, I'm also very pleased the fact we're well on our way in Indiana to becoming the most pro-adoption state in America. I think if you're going to be pro-life, you should, you should be pro-adoption. But what, what I can't understand is with Hillary Clinton, and now Senator Kane at her side, is to support a practice like partial birth abortion. I mean, to hold to the view, and I know Senator Kane, you, you hold pro-life views personally, but, but the very idea that a child that is almost born into the world could still have their life taken from them is just anathema to me. And I, and I, cannot, I can't conscience about, about a party that supports that. Or that I know you've historically opposed taxpayer funding of abortion, but Hillary Clinton wants to, wants to repeal the long-standing provision in the law where we said we wouldn't use taxpayer dollars to fund abortion. So for me, my faith informs my life. I try and spend a little time on my knees every day, but, but it all for me begins with cherishing the dignity, the worth, the value of every human life. And... This was one of the turning points of the 2016 election around this of Mike Pence and Donald Trump clearly outlining what Hillary Clinton stands for, what the Democratic Party stands for, and showing that this is what they want. This is what they mean. And, and, and that's just one of the clips. I want to play this one. It's, it's a little bit longer, so hopefully you'll stick with me here today. Um, in going back to the, so that's the, in between one of the last presidential debates, if I remember correctly, but this next clip was from the final presidential debate in 2016 and Donald Trump in here and, and both Hillary Clinton really outlined clearly where they stand. And so listen to this and, and I want to go through this and then stick with me here on the back end because I want to go through some statistics for today as to why Lindsey Graham is actually on the right side of this in certain polling. Which divides you and the justices that whoever ends up winning this election appoints could have a dramatic effect that there, and that's the issue of abortion. Right. Mr. Trump, you're pro-life, but I, I want to ask you specifically, do you want the court, including the justices that you will name, to overturn Roe v. Wade, which in includes, in fact, states a woman's right to abortion. Well, okay, so that's the question. Trump responds he's going to elect um, pro-life or put forward pro-life judges. But I want to skip forward because I know we're running out of time here and go towards Hillary Clinton's response. Secretary Clinton. Well, I, I strongly support Roe v. Wade, which guarantees a constitutional right to a woman 
which we've already seen this overturn. And before that, Trump basically predicted what's happened up until this point. Roe v. Wade will eventually get overturned if you put two more, maybe three more justices on, and then it'll go back to the states. To make the most intimate, most difficult in many cases, decisions about her health care that uh, one can imagine. Again, this is about the woman supporting Roe v. Wade and supporting Planned Parenthood. And in this case, it's not only about Roe v. Wade. It is about what's happening right now in America. So many states are putting very stringent regulations on women that block them from exercising that. Basically standing up against federalism and what this nation was founded upon. To the upon. extent that they are defunding Planned Parenthood, which of course... Defunding Planned Parenthood is not a government organization, number one, but then number two, it's an organization who is wholly problematic. We understand that. Cancer screening. Yeah, they provide cancer screenings after you agree to an abortion. And other benefits for... After agreeing to get an abortion. Uh, Let's be clear about in that. Our country. Donald has said he's in favor of defunding Planned Parenthood. Positive. Okay. Now I want to go forward to skip towards Donald Trump's response here. I'm going to make Let's sure it's a right point. On another issue which divides you. And oh, I lost Let's it. Okay. Um, later it goes on and Donald Trump, for some reason the video is not working. But what the video and, and what Donald Trump said was is he laid out, look, Hillary Clinton wants late-term abortions one, two, three, four days before the birth, a live baby being aborted. And obviously she walked it back. And, and this issue, and I want to point this out. This is why I'm bringing this up and I wanted to try to play that video. But bringing up this issue is actually on the side of life on this issue. And this benefits Republicans. This benefits people who want to stand for life. And now all of a sudden Republicans want to, want to uh, find their backbone of federalism that they didn't have before. They're just going to stay silent and let whatever happens happens where the Democrats want to push forward a national protection for abortion even up until the ninth month and in some cases after that. And then I want to bring up this poll here and same article from politico in defense of lindsey graham and this is a harvard harris poll stay with me here on this this is i want to close out on this found that 72 percent of voters including 70 percent of independents and 60 percent of democrats it's not just republicans this is independents democrats and republicans all together saying 72 percent that they don't think abortion should be permitted after 15 weeks at the state level. Meaning that majority if you're going to if you're going to sit here and say I'm going to make my decisions off of polls. The polls say Americans are in line, Republican, Democrat, Independent with Lindsey Graham's bill. Another poll from Gallup says that only 28% of people believe abortion should be legal in the second trimester. Meaning that 72% are in line with this agree with Lindsey Graham's bill. 13 then the poll goes on to later show that only 13% think that abortion should be legal in the 13 in the third trimester. So the further the closer and closer you get to that 9 month mark, the less and less people actually think that the abortion should be had because they they understand personhood exists then, the heartbeat exists then. And then another WPA intelligence poll shows that even 51% of voters who think Republicans are extreme on abortion favor a 15-week ban on abortion. This staying silent does nothing. 
And he goes on to close the article by saying, he says, if Republicans truly believe that they can't defend a 15-week ban, maybe they are right to find any excuse to try not to talk about the issue of abortion. But that path leads ultimately to implicit surrender. You can't blame Lindsey Graham for wanting his party to do better. And if you see that the photo here is, um, I'll pull it up, Star Parker right there. There's other pictures, the videos of her that, that give a better view of her. But Star Parker, if you know her, a strong, strong advocate for pro-life and a bunch of other issues, but more specifically pro-life, is behind Lindsey Graham, standing with him. And so we got to call this out. And it starts in the church is why aren't pastors speaking about this? Why? But I digress on that. And more importantly, we just want to pray and intercede for the voters to be aware ahead of this midterm, to vote for candidates who will stand for issues like this, who won't back down and want to stay silent in this season. It's a time to go forward. We have to start changing the narrative of rather than sitting here and saying, well, abortion is the only solution to this quote unquote um, issue here when needs to be as we talked about yesterday funding for mothers funding to help them provide as uh mike pence here rightfully pointed out for adoption help families and this is why this is why the same-sex bill is, is important to 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 understand why that's problematic because if you can that redefine what marriage is making it easier for same-sex couples which have shown to not be the healthiest home for a child to be brought up in you now start creating more and more cycles and then stealing from the next generation going back to that generational quote-unquote investment and the lord has showed us no you're actually robbing from the next generations by doing this it's another way to attack the next generations and this is why we pray this is why we want to stand this is why we're doing this and thank you jim Rowney, for following along with us and, and know that, look, it's time to start shifting this narrative of staying silent on this issue anymore and being afraid to speak out about this when most Americans, at least on a 15-week abortion, agree on this. And we have to start agree, understanding that, look, life has value. doesn't matter how it came into existence. It still has value. We can help deal with the trauma of if, if it is a bad case, which they're so minuscule. They bring up the the rarest cases to define their arguments, not dealing with 80-something percent of women who get abortions do it just because it's inconvenient to them in some form or manner. So we, we have to shift the narrative on this. We have to stand up for biblical moral values. We have to look towards the future and really look at the future with the Lord's order in mind of a five-fold ministry, helping, dealing, walking things out biblically in each of our lives so that we can spread the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. And as we are in this nation, as we're Americans, this is how we can do this in the United States of America. Standing up, speaking out, praying, being involved, going and voting, doing what authority, whatever sphere of authority the Lord has put us in, and understanding that we need to build upon biblical foundations. So blessings to each and every one of you for following along. Uh, be sure to watch our new prayer today. We recorded it last night with Todd Trahan talking about praying for schools. We really, really want to start focusing on that um, in the days ahead. We're seeing the problems that exist all across this country in every state with um, what is going on with schools. This is not a fight we want to give up on, um, something we want to help parents in, in giving some prayer points and helping with the decisions as you know every situation is different not every family can do certain things or 
want or have the the capabilities to do certain things and so really lay out a good uh foundation for that so if you know anybody uh, parent um watch it share it uh help them give them a foundation for as believers of how to deal with this issue and even if they they feel led to send their kid to public school there's still a way to send them there but make sure that they're equipped and able to defend their faith and stand up for their faith um, now and in the days ahead with all this chaos going on. Uh, so blessings each every one of you, and I will see you next week. Have a good one.